Kerflu Elling, Reshaping America. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, well, I have avoided talking about the coronavirus um, <clears throat> on the last few shows just because a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things going on, um, but uh, it, it does deserve not only uh, a little bit of the show, but a, a fair amount of the show because things have gotten uh, pretty crazy out there. And um, I think it is time to restore a little calm to the world. Um, unusual start to the show here, but I'm going to read some scripture. And I think that's probably a good thing uh, for a lot of reasons. And let me uh, let me start with a little Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. How about this one? Okay, what do we got here? Psalms 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Couple of more here. Psalm 16, 8. Man, I'm having all sorts of technical difficulty today. Psalm 16, 8. Keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And one of my favorites, um, one you guys have heard me say numerous times on Reshaping America, James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a great way to start the show, uh, simply because um, a lot of craziness going on out there, a lot of craziness with the uh, the coronavirus. And I think one of the problem, you know, and I see a lot of similarities um, between politics today, where the left and the right is on one issue or another, and the coronavirus um, in general, and, and it is, um, and it is a common refrain on this show that um, we had better learn yesterday how to talk to one another, persuade one another, have civilized discourse with one another, and you know, on this show today, you may hear some something that you may feel is a little salty, but it's certainly going to be nothing compared to the craziness and the vitriol that we all get every day on talk radio or CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. So I try as hard as I can to uh, to get my point across in a way that doesn't offend and it attracts rather than repels. And the reason I do that is we are at warp speed in this country uh, coming to a point where we just are not listening at all to one another. And this coronavirus is a really, really good example of that. Um, I mean, you have folks, it's not even a left or right thing. You have folks on one side of this issue that are just no big deal, man. Chinese cooked this thing up in a in a biotech uh, bio warfare room in Wuhan, and they sent it to America to uh, to bring the Trump administration down. And you have people that really believe that. Now, am I saying categorically with a hundred percent certainty that that should not be researched? Um, there are two bio uh, warfare type of uh, labs, if you will, sites, if you will, in Wuhan, China, which I do think is quite interesting, but. Um, I'm not asserting that this was cooked up in China to make the Trump administration look bad. But you have other people on the other side of whatever this issue that shutting down every single thing, um, uh, 
cleaning out stores of toilet paper, for God's sakes, um, gouging people uh, with uh, hand sanitizer that formerly cost five bucks, now costs $122. I mean, this is insane. And the rhetoric that people are using and the hysteria that is being forwarded is not helpful. So if you have those two entities that I just described trying to talk to each other, you have literally, unless Jesus comes down and and referees this thing, you have literally a 0.0 chance of anybody on one side of that issue uh, talking to the person on the other side of the issue. If they're coming to the table with, this is all a conspiracy cooked up by that evil Chinese government and other people saying, uh, Donald Trump has mismanaged this woefully and, um, and uh, you know, everybody's going to be dying in the streets and it's all orange man's fault. If you think that those two entities can talk to one another, you're out of your mind. And what I'm trying to tell you and what scares the crap out of me, and it has for the last few years, is uh, there is a very shrinking populace out there that can talk to one another, regardless of political persuasion, wherever you uh, fall down on this coronavirus. If you think it's um, much to do about nothing, or you think the world's ending, or you think it's anything in between, it doesn't really matter. We should as a as a culture have the ability to talk to one another for 4 seconds without hating the other person's guts and and totally dismissing what they're saying even if it is outlandish um there's a way when you're talking to somebody that's nuts to do it in a polite way and if if there's a small chance you could persuade them just try it but panic craziness vitriol political demagoguery are all stirred into this soup called Oba- or, um, Corona right now virus, and it is not helpful. It is just absolutely not helpful. And I'm not going to go into uh, painstaking detail on a lot of this stuff, but um, again, uh, the coverage of Donald Trump during this crisis has left something to be desired. And people, all you have to do, and just do a simple Google search. I'm not going to go into the details, but you know, uh, 45 years ago, um, what what Gerald Ford did. Um, making political hay out of the swine flu in the mid-70s. He was down in the polls to the subsequent winner, Jimmy Carter, and needed to look um, presidential. So what does he do? You know, he puts a gun to the head of the pharmaceutical industry and tells them stat to get a uh, a, uh, a cure for the swine flu. And the vaccine ends up doing far more harm than the swine flu itself, Um that worked out real well, but that's an example of um, you know what the great Rahm Emanuel, um, former uh, Clinton and Obama devotee and, and mayor of Chicago, has always said, and you can take this one to the bank, never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a good crisis go to waste. That is Rahm Emanuel. And so uh, Gerald Ford tried to do it in the mid-70s, fell on his face. 2009, the swine flu wrapped back around. And why don't you just look at the number of people infected with that and the uh, the government's solution to that and the fact that Barack Obama's feet were nailed to the floor on that one. But we didn't we didn't have mass closings. We didn't have mass hysteria and we didn't have political demagoguery in the highest order. Um, am, am I saying that the coronavirus is is worse or not worse than um, 
the swine flu. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not an epidemiologist. I do know something about medicine and viruses and things of that nature, but um, not much more than the average person does. But uh, I'm not going to go that far. But I do know one thing without getting into all the specifics of this, and we will get into the specifics a little bit. Panic is not a good idea. Um, Think of the times in your life. I don't care what we're talking about. Walking down the aisle with somebody, breaking up with somebody, rebounding to another relationship, um, quitting a job, taking a job. Uh, We can fill in the blank with just about every huge life-changing thing that, that faces you and I. What are the two emotions that are the worst possible emotions to have on board when you're making decisions? Fear and anger. Uh, Simply put, uh, you know, many people are either underemployed or unemployed. Think of the bad decisions you've made in your life when you were just couldn't take your boss anymore or you were unemployed six months, eight months, a year. The decisions you made because you were afraid or angry or both. Not a good way to make decisions, not a good way to to make policy. And we are living in a time right now with this coronavirus where uh, the left hates the right, the right hates the left, fear is rampant, ignorance is being exploited. And in my opinion, the virus is is a pretty serious thing that we should take seriously. But the panic that has ensued is, in my estimation, in the long run, far more serious because um, wherever you stand on this and whatever you feel we should do about this or whom uh, government should do it or whoever should do it, the fact remains that this coronavirus crisis at some time, hopefully sooner rather than later, will mercifully abate and it will be replaced with something else. But panic and how we as a, as a citizenry, as a, as a society, as politicians and as people that put politicians in powerful positions, look at these things in the future uh, is, 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 is more important than the coronavirus. I'm telling you it is because unfortunately, more and more bad things are going to happen in this world until Jesus returns. And panic and demagoguery and, and exploiting crises um, when innocent lives are at stake or the health of our citizens is at, is at stake is really terrible. And let me go back to where I started. You know, the 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 mere fact that I'm I'm drawing a parallel between you know factions out there and how we're reacting about the coronavirus and the whole Democrat Republican thing is kind of foreign to a lot of people. But I'm but I'm here to tell you. Um, the left has hated the right, <clears throat> and the right has hated the left for a long time. That's um, that's not new. But what is new is the level of hatred that the left, and by the left, I mean left-leaning uh, citizens, education, education, the media, um, all sorts of outlets that are dominated um, – social media, uh, all sorts of outlets that are dominated by left-leaning people. Their hatred of Donald Trump, their visceral disgust of this man and what he's done, <clears throat> excuse me, is is something that has taken them to a level that is unprecedented in in um, in this society to this day, in, in my opinion. Um, when they embarked on impeachment, you heard me on this show, I never ever, ever thought, I thought that they were just puffing their chest out, bloviating a little bit. And I never thought it would come to where it came to. 
I never thought the the level of lying about dossiers and testimonies and he said, she said, and and um, FISA abuses and all of these things would ever ever rise to the level that it rose to. Um, and and this is this is in in heretofore trusted entities, CIA, FBI places like that. The level of corruption, the level of lying, the level of, of, for lack of better words, whatever it takes to get Donald Trump that has been occurring uh, at warp speed in the last couple of years is, is fueled by one thing, and that's hate. And when, when somebody hates someone or some entity that badly that they will do anything and say anything to quote unquote, get that person, and it, they succeeded to a to an extent. Um, he was impeached. Um, then that's very chilling, and that's very troubling. And for the reasons I just mentioned before, Donald Trump will come and he will go. He will either leave in about a year, or he's going to leave um, in about five years. But Donald Trump's going to go, but we are still, as a culture, going to have people in this culture that will lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, demagogue situations. And we got to do something about that. We, we really do. And, and, uh, Rahm Emanuel, I keep, I keep citing him, but that comment that he made years ago, never let a good crisis go to waste is, is something that we should all be very, very concerned with because, um, the coronavirus is something to to be concerned with and and to um, swiftly and effectively uh, address. But the abject panic that is going out there and the recklessness that's occurring that is making uh, the stock market do what the stock market's doing, there are a lot of people that have a vested interest in making the stock market tank. Uh, for one reason and one reason only, and that is that they know that Donald Trump, one of his shining uh, achievements is this economy. If they can use this virus and our response to this virus and the fear mongering that is going on out there to bring Donald Trump's economy, if you will, down and subsequently bring, bring Donald Trump down, they will as they did with the impeachment process, they will lie, cheat, steal, do whatever they need, misrepresent, um, and call this Donald Trump's virus and all of this nonsense that they are engaged in. His responses are terrible. Bernie Sanders, um, you know, saying his uh, response is uh, ineffectual and all this. I got news for Bernie Sanders. There, and, and, and believe me, I'm not oversimplifying the coronavirus, but there's a lot of moving parts to this, ladies and gentlemen. But I got news for Bernie Sanders. It's one thing to speak esoterically about how wonderful socialized medicine is and have some friendly back and forth with your political um, adversaries of how wonderful the U.S. healthcare is and how, uh, you know, uh, but it pales in comparison to uh, Cuba or China or whatever. It's one thing to talk about that stuff. But it, when you start getting affected by it, then it, it takes on a whole new meaning. And one of the reasons that you see this virus going absolutely crazy in China and um, the Middle East 
and in Italy is socialized medicine, ladies and gentlemen. And not a lot of people are talking about that. But when pandemics happen and and you're in a socialized medicine country, you have rationing going on under normal circumstances. When you have a, a, a hyper crazed pandemic situation in a second or third world country that practices socialized medicine, you get what you get in the aforementioned countries. You get rationing, you get um, shortages of, of all sorts of necessary supplies. Um, in socialized medicine countries, they are in lockstep with the government. The government uh, doles out whatever they need to, or they're in bed with uh, with um, um, healthcare. And if that's the case, then they have a vested interest to lie, mislead, and that's exactly what China did. The, this thing, I'm not saying that a lot of it could have been prevented, but I'm telling you. When this thing was in the fetal stages in Wuhan, China, if you have a system of of a of a um a government that is not corrupt that is beholding to its people and you have a free market um healthcare system like we do to a large degree it's not in the government's best interest to to keep this thing under wraps like they did in China it's in the government's best interest if their interest is indeed the people to recruit the 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 best and the brightest minds from around the world the best and the brightest supplies and volunteers and all sorts of things that you put in place in the fetal stages of these crises in in order to um, make them uh, not go away, but it, but at least to to temper what happens. But when you have countries such as China, um, this thing was was so under wraps for long enough period of time that the situation could have been helped out immensely if all those aforementioned entities were recruited to help out. But you can't do that in a in a uh, corrupt system such as China or in a system where you have socialized medicine because you, the government cannot look bad in a situation like this because the 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 lies that they tell their public are, are not believable when the government falls down on its face as it did in China. Um, what's happening in the Middle East and in Italy? You have shortages. Um, you know, am I guaranteeing that in the United States of America, we're not going to have rationing and shortages and, and, um, runs on this and runs on that? No, I'm not guaranteeing that. But in a system where you have a free market system to a large degree, the government still has their nose in healthcare in the United States of America, not to the level that they do in other countries. And you have manufacturers of, of certain products in hospitals that are, you know, quasi autonomous. The likelihood that you have, um, I've heard just some chilling stories out of Italy, and I'm not even going to um, get specific because they're just so disturbing. You don't have that in the United States of America. And there's people listening now saying, well, you don't have it yet. Well, it, I'm telling you the likelihood, you diminish the chances when you have a system as we do in the United States of America. That's why it was absolute lunacy to overhaul the system to the degree that Congress did in um, 2010 uh, or a little later with Obamacare. Um, improving the system is one thing, um, completely gutting it and trying to um, create a single payer uh, situation is is something that is is not good and it's on full display how not good it is when you have something um, such as this going on right now. 
So that was my <clears throat> little message to Bernie Sanders when, when he gets up on his high horse and says Donald Trump's not doing what he should be doing. And um, so Donald Trump um, curtailed uh, travel from China early on. He was labeled a xenophobe and a, uh, a cultural elitist and didn't know what the heck he was doing. And I can guarantee you, and he has subsequently yesterday um, halted uh, – European uh, flights coming into this country after Friday, um, I can guarantee you he's getting a lot of grief for that, not based in fact, but based in um, political demagoguery. If we can use this to beat Donald Trump, it doesn't matter how many people panic. It doesn't matter how many people are afraid. It doesn't matter how many people get sick. It really doesn't matter how many people die. As long as Orange Man is defeated by by people that are misrepresenting what's happening out there, the ends justify the means. And that is so chilling, I don't even know where to begin. I can tell you the flip side of that, if Donald Trump did what Barack Obama would have done, uh, or Joe Biden, if you want to associate him with Barack Obama, and sat on his hands in one crisis or another and didn't ban flight from China or subsequently flight from Europe, um, the problem would be a whole lot worse, but they would the critics of Donald Trump would be saying, I can't believe he allowed the free flow of, of people coming in from these affected countries. So Donald Trump really can't win. Um, he's going to get it either way, and he knows that. Um, if you're a Donald Trump fan or not, this is a time where you want somebody like Donald Trump in the White House. And I've said this on this show numerous times. I'll say it again. Donald Trump plays chess with these guys every day. And, and his words on the campaign trail a few years ago, you're going to get tired of winning, were prophetic. Um, he wins all the time. Now, I, I don't fully, well, I kind of fully understand it to the point where if you're blinded by rage and anger all the time, you're going to be off your political game. Um, oftentimes, people don't take the time to try to understand what Trump is doing. They they uh, falsely think that he's unintelligent and he's a buffoon. And I think that plays in Trump's favor. But this one is going to lay out um, exactly the way Donald Trump wants it to lay out. And I'll tell you how it's probably going to go. Everybody thinks that the economy is Donald Trump's Achilles heel. And let me tell you, Donald Trump is, is implementing some things and probably praying to God up above that this slide in the stock market stops because, you know, wherever you are on whatever issue you're on, the economy is paramount to everybody. People vote with their pocketbooks. If um, if they're doing well, a lot of times they overlook a lot of things. And if they're not, they won't. So don't get me wrong. Donald Trump is very concerned with the economy. But let me tell you how the people that are trying to talk this economy down destroy the stock market with lies about Donald Trump and, and how he's handling the coronavirus situation. Let me tell you how they are going to, once again, if history is to repeat itself, and it probably will, are, are going to be once again defeated by Donald Trump. In times like this, I think they're negating the fact that even though I just said the economy is paramount, if this thing, and we're at the at the time of this airing, it's uh, it's the middle of March, if this thing goes on into April, into May, into the summer, it's going to replace the economy as as um, 
something that's on the forefront of everybody's mind. Now, you would erroneously assume that the two are inextricably intertwined. If this crisis continues, the economy is going to be adversely affected. Now, you would be correct, but this is how I believe this is going to go to Donald Trump's favor. In times of of, uh, crisis such as this, and we are either in a crisis or fast moving towards one, the American people innately want stability. They want strength. They want reassurance. And as much as I've tried, I'm not a Democrat, to defend Joe Biden in recent shows, Joe Biden is none of those things. He is absolutely a zero on on the scale of one to 10 in all of those areas. He reassures no one when he gets up and speaks. Uh, Bernie Sanders the other day, flailing, trying to to stop this Joe Biden train, says, you know, um, I do a speech for 45 minutes. He does one for seven minutes. What can you talk about in seven minutes? And he's right. Um, if there's a lot of issues out there and you're a candidate of substance and you got something to say, even though I disagree with every syllable that comes out of Bernie Sanders' mouth, I will cede the point that the guy's 78 and he gets up there and he tees it high and he lets it fly and he talks for 45 minutes unencumbered. Um, if the best Joe Biden can do is edited interviews by you know big news agencies, and the best he can do is give five to seven minute stump speeches. He is not a reassuring figure in times of crisis, and if this thing continues to spread as as it is, um, unless Donald Trump is perceived as somebody that is really, really, really dropping the ball with his decisions, and that one's going to be hard to sell because many of the things he's doing now are common sense type of a things that appeal to people on both sides of the aisle. Biden is not going to be able to get up and say, I'm your man. Switch um, switch guys right now, midstream, in the middle of a crisis. I'm your rock. I'm, I am uh, the guy that instills confidence in you. I'm, I'm a reassurer. Not happening, not happening, not happening. So Joe Biden cannot possibly, if, if you say he's demented, that's one thing. If you say he's just old and whatever, if you say he's just Joe, it doesn't really matter. He is not going to step into this crisis and and rest power away from Donald Trump in the eyes of and uh, the votes of anybody when it comes to reassuring a a shaky nervous country in the middle of a pandemic. Joe Biden is not the first person and he's probably not the thousandth person that you think of when you think of somebody that's going to get the torch passed to them by Donald Trump and and lead us through this uh crisis situation that we're in. It it just isn't going to happen. Furthermore, his answer to um, everything is is uh, more goodies. Uh, Donald Trump had a big problem. He he um, promoted a spending uh, an emergency spending bill and was very dismayed that Democrats threw all sorts of goodies in it. Again, how horrible is that when we're in the middle of a crisis? Usually, those things garner a very high percentage of bipartisan support and. Democrats take advantage of this really serious situation that we're in to throw goodies into uh, a spending bill just because they can. That's not a good thing. And when people do that, people get upset about that. So (coughs) I think Joe Biden has got a real – I think when people think, yeah, this – 
coronavirus is Donald Trump's Katrina or it's his whatever. Um, this is what's going to bring him down. Uh, Democrats have said this is what's going to bring Donald Trump down many, many times in his three short years of office. And I I, I don't think it's going to happen this time either. I just do not. Whatever the economy does that's going to uh, rattle some people, I think you really have to go out on a limb to associate that with Donald Trump when the three years prior to this crisis um, – you know, Donald Trump has done uh, many things that would add to the uh, the roaring economy. You can't really say, yeah, we have a roaring economy. He's not responsible for any of it. And then a virus comes from Wuhan, China, spreads wildly through um, many countries, many of which have fifth-rate uh, med- socialized medicine uh, systems. And and all of a sudden, Donald Trump's going to get um, uh, blamed for how, how the economy's going. I know some people will do it. I know some people are trying as hard as they can to glue him to this. But I think at the end of the day, as I said before, when Donald Trump stands up and starts to articulate what he's doing in this crisis and he addressed the United States uh, people last night, love him or hate him, he's certainly more reassuring um, as, as, a, as a commander in chief that will roll up his sleeves and do something um, than uh, Joe Biden. He just he simply is. So I think if people think that they're going to tag him with this, it might siphon some votes off. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be enough. So we can go to what they're doing here in Philadelphia, which I think is very interesting. In the surrounding suburbs, people are canceling um, events, closing schools, doing all sorts of things, left, right, and crazy. And at least in this segment of the show, we're not really going to discuss the rightness or wrongness of that. I just thought it was fascinating coming into the studio today. I heard um, Tom Farley, who is the, um, he is the Philadelphia health commissioner, and he was doing a press conference. And, you know, like Donald Trump, he was uh, informing the public of what was going on. And we have cases here and cases there. Philadelphia, believe it or not, the sixth largest city in the United States of America at the time of this airing of the show, the middle of March, has one confirmed case of coronavirus. Now there are 45 suspected cases, but in a city of 2 million people, that's pretty amazing. But what I thought was fascinating driving in here was listening to, he got a question from a reporter saying, why aren't you closing the schools? Um, all the surrounding counties are closing the schools and, and putting severe limitations on mass gatherings. School in and of itself is a mass gathering of kids. Um, and I thought good leftists, as as we have here in Philadelphia, are always about the children. Um, and his his response was was absolutely fascinating, and I think indicative of the nanny state that we have created. He said, and I I find this statistic to be mind blowing, and I'm not making any disparaging comments, yay or nay, on it. I just think it's mind blowing. He said 50 percent of the students in the Philadelphia school system come from single parent homes or uh, you know uh, homes that are just. Um, governed by one uh, adult, if you want to put it that way. And his reason uh, in consort with our lovely mayor here and others of not closing the schools is his assertion was these single parents have to work. And 
they, you know, they keep the infrastructure of our city going, which has to be kept going during a crisis. You need, and, and he, he went into painstaking detail chronicling, you need bus drivers, you need SEPTA people, you need hospital employees, you need this, you need that, which at first blush seems to be pretty logical. Um, but then he went into these students, half of the student body, he's asserting, need, um, breakfast at school, lunch at school, free. By by the way, um, shelter. He calls it shelter. I, I don't know if the houses they live in, either rich kids or uh, poor kids, even if they come from meager dwellings. I I'm pretty sure that they have roofs. But he's asserting that they need shelter. I mean, he's using these words. I I, I know I'm I'm a political junkie. I'm hanging on this, and half my audience right now is like, "What the hell is your point?" My point is if. It, on the one hand, if leftists are saying this pandemic is so horrible that we need to um, close the NCAA, the NBA, all sorts of gatherings of, uh, you know, 100 or more people, da, 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 da. Not saying that's right or wrong. But if they're saying that, why are we not closing the Philadelphia school system? It's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids. And to keep it open just because it would inconvenience their um someone that's taking care of them at home and they wouldn't have food for that day or shelter that was the that was the word that really struck me shelter are are we in like indonesia or something shelter so we're keeping according to commissioner farley we're keeping the philadelphia schools open during this pandemic either rightly or wrongly i'm not judging because the kids need food and shelter can't possibly get that at home. I mean, uh, the roofs have been ripped off of all these dwellings in North Philadelphia. And their parents or one of their parents or their caretakers or whomever is, you know, in charge of that student is too busy keeping the city running, workers of the world unite, I guess, that we're going to sacrifice up kids (laughs) in a school system where the coronavirus could run rampant through it. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm not saying I'm a big proponent of shutting down schools and and all the things that are going on now. I'm just making a point of how odd it is for your garden variety leftists who, on the one hand, as Rahm Emanuel says, never lets a, a good crisis go to waste and the sky is always falling. Keeping people angry and scared is the way to garner votes. But on the other hand, we're going to sacrifice up our children because their parents need to go out and drive cabs and, and work for SEPTA and um, and do whatever they do um, out there to keep the city going, the city's infrastructure going. And if you know the kids get sick at school, well, that's just taking one for the team. I, I just – nobody followed up. I thought it was bizarre. I still think it's bizarre. I don't think anybody's talking about it. Um, but, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine that, you know, is, is kind of – a little annoyed at the panic and the inflammatory rhetoric that everybody's using and the fear mongering. And the first thing out of his mouth, and he's a pretty conservative guy, was, you know, Philadelphia schools got it right. You know, these single uh, single parents have to go out and work. And, and maybe he's right. But I, I, I just think the, the hypocrisy, the irony of who was saying it and how they were saying it speaks greater to the worth that they put in the school system to provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner sometimes to students 
that may not necessarily need breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and oh, by the way, shelter, that's a new one, um, in the year 2020. Are there kids that don't have enough to eat out there? Yep. And I feel bad for them. And I feel that we should identify those children and help them. We don't need the Philadelphia school system using tax dollars to feed them three squares every day. Um, but then at the same time, putting them at risk for the coronavirus. I'm still scratching my head about that one. Um, the church handles that. People handle that. We display the love of Christ towards families like that and kids like that. We don't need government or a school system to do that. We just don't. And the more we rely on a government entity to do that or a school system to do that, the less the church gets involved and the less Christian get Christians get involved. And the more our hearts are not stimulated by wanting to help, we just kick the ball down the road and say, I guess somebody else has that. And and that's not what I think Jesus Christ wants. So I thought that was interesting. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting was I went to the CDC website and printed some, you know, uh, frequently asked questions. And I was pretty amazed. Um, again, at a show like this, we, we try as hard as we can not to be mean, right? We've said that many times. It's going to be hard, ladies and gentlemen, because um, I, I, I think some of these questions leave something to be desired. What, the first question, um, or the first fact that the CDC, a government entity, feels that it has to put out there in this world that we live in is diseases can make anyone sick, regardless of their race or ethnicity. And then it goes on to, to explain that. It says people of Asian descent, including Chinese Americans, are not more likely to get COVID-19 than any other American. And it says, help stop fear by letting people know that being Asian does not increase the chance of getting or spreading COVID-19. Now, I don't know. D does that have to be said? Uh, I guess it kind of does if they put it down there. I, I, I do know some people. Uh, I mean, it, the, the statistic was out a couple weeks ago. Of, uh, Chinese restaurants in New York City uh, were down, you know, um, 50% in, in people frequenting them. So maybe that has to be said. I find that breathtaking in, in a world where most people have a reasonable intelligence that that has to be said, that we have to be wasting time talking about that. But I guess we do. Um, what what else? Um, okay, uh, this one's good. You know, fever, cough, shortness of breath. Okay, we we you know we know that. Um, simple things that you can do to keep yourself and others healthy: avoid touching your eyes, stay at home when you're sick, cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Um, I don't know. Another pet peeve of mine. I'll, I'll just stay, say it. And I, I I used this analogy the other day with somebody. I think they found it to be offensive. And if it is offensive to you, if you're a pregnant woman in your mid twenties, I'm I'm really sorry that I have to say this, but I'm going to because it, it's very apt. People are doing a lot of things now in the area of hygiene and and universal precautions, if you will that they should be doing every single day of their life. And the fact that it takes a COVID-19 scare and all sorts of people 
furthering panic, for you to wash your hands frequently during the day, particularly if you're in hospitals and areas where sick people are, I think that's pretty sad. Um, and, and, you know, back to the offensive analogy, I, I told this person, they were kind of looking at me like crazy because I, I was walking through a hospital and I was trying to get, you know, uh, there's those uh, hand sanitizer dispensers on, you know, just about every 50 yards in a hospital. And for the last few weeks, I'm, I'm trying to utilize those in the hospital and they're empty. Why are they empty? Because everybody's using them. Well, before COVID-19, I never had trouble one time in a hospital getting hand sanitizer out of one of those units because nobody's using them. Why does it take the COVID-19 outbreak to make people do what they're supposed to do? And the analogy I use with this person, and they found it to be a little bit offensive, but I've, I've seen women in their late 20s who eat pizza, drink beer, smoke cigarettes, don't exercise, but then they become pregnant and they exercise, they don't drink beer, they don't eat pizza, and they don't smoke anymore. Why is that? Well, of course, I have a, a, a developing human being in my body. Now, let me stop there. I'm, I'm quite thankful that you care enough for that little guy or gal to cease and desist doing all those things and rather than aborting those um, little babies like some people want to do in this country. But I had to scratch my head you know, your temple is God's temple, just like your baby's temple is God's temple. Why, why does it take you getting pregnant to stop smoking, drinking, eating pizza, and exercising? Why, why is that? So, you know, that that's just one of my little pet peeves with this COVID-19 thing. People um, are just losing their mind with hand sanitizer and washing their hands and doing, you know, many things that they probably should be doing anyway. But now they're doing them and they're doing them to the extent where I'm in a Staples the other day and the guy says, yeah, every other question we're getting is, do you have any toilet paper? Now, if we're asking for toilet paper at Staples, you know, the wheels are off, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I, I naively said, what in the world does people want toilet paper? What does that have to do with COVID-19? And he told me and, you know, it, I guess he's right, you know, with everything canceled and closed and people working remotely if they can. A lot of people can't work remotely, will lose their jobs. Um, that's a good thing about Donald Trump. That's something the left and the right can agree on. Emergency funding for people that have to take care of relatives with COVID-19 or they have COVID-19 themselves or they've been displaced um, vocationally because they can't work um they can't work remotely or their industry has been so devastated, um, the, the hospitality industry, the tourism industry, uh, by COVID-19 fears that they can't make any money. Donald Trump wants to um, give them money, suspend um, co-pays on uh, COVID-19 treatments. These are very liberal Democrat type things that he's forwarding. Is he getting any credit for that? Absolutely not. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. So this is the world that we're living in. So, um, and this is a, um, this is probably a good way to end the show. And it was, um, man, it was disturbing. I don't know if any of you got a chance to see the video or hear the audio of, um, Andrew Cuomo, Billy Mays. He is not, um, 
as a pitch man for New York State Clean, um, the New York State version of Purell or hand sanitizer. If you haven't, I, I, I strongly urge you to Google that and hear Andrew Cuomo you know, thank God that, you know, he was, uh, he basically inherited the governor's throne from his father, Mario, because I, I don't know what else this guy could do for a living, but certainly sales is not one of the things he could do for a living. Um, he was painfully trying to tell us how wonderful New York State Clean is as he's, I'm, I'm looking at this picture here, he's holding up a big, uh, big drum of hand sanitizer. And he, he's telling telling us how wonderful it is. It's made by inmates. He has, and he has the executive power to do this. He has commissioned incarcerated people and tasked them to make hand sanitizer to fight the coronavirus. Um, and this article is even funnier because it says um, incarcerated people tasked to make hand sanitizer to fight coronas, but they are banned from using it themselves. That's pretty funny. Um you know, you can make it for the rest of the uh, privileged world, but don't you dare try it yourself. Um, but anyway, if you can Google that um, video and audio of him doing that, it is it is quint it is quintessential leftist logic. Um, he's talking about how the product is actually better than Purell and how it's going to give Purell a run for its money and we're not going to have back orders and we're going to be able to keep up with the demand. And with, with nobody in the audience, no reporter, anybody is asking him the logical pink elephant in the room question like you're you're touting your product and 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 kind of taking some shots at private industry the way they they can't keep up with hand sanitizer largely because of the panic that you've fueled and then you're you're kind of giving them shots and and nobody's really discussing the fact that somebody had to put up the risk capital to start the first Purell factory and employ the Purell employees and and employ the drivers and the salespeople and the distribution network to get Purell into a Rite Aid or a CVS or wherever. And this guy is using labor that is paid for by the taxpayer. Um, he has a $0.0 labor cost because he's ordered inmates to make it. And, and he's sitting there saying how it's a wonderful product, it's better. And he's actually taking some shots at private industry and saying that, you know, his New York clean is going to, is going to give them a run for their money. And there's probably good leftists in the room that are like, you know, why don't we do this with other products? And, you know, they have with many other products and they've, they've, um, the state has taken tax dollars built things in certain municipalities that do com do indeed compete with private entities and run them out of business. And one of the reasons they run them out of business is because they have cheap, they don't have cheap labor, they have free labor. Um, but it was amazing to watch that. If you could, um, if you could Google that, you will see how, um, how just pathetic that is. And, and, and that, you know, as we're winding it down here, you know, when Bernie Sanders forwards these things and Joe Biden just kind of parrots them because it's the thing to do these days, um, they all sound like great ideas. But when the excrement hits the fan, if you will, and things have to come to fruition, the, the rhetoric of the left has to actually be tested, then we see how crazy it is.
Um, socialized medicine is great, but ask somebody in Italy if it's great right now. Um, Purell, good company, um, but if they go under because New York Clean runs them out of business because their inmates are are making uh, hand sanitizer, that is not a good precedent. That is not a good thing for for an economy. Um, so when when these things get implemented in real life in real time, it's it's a lot different than just puking out a bunch of. Um, you know, platitudes on the debate floor. So as we're winding it down here with the coronavirus, be smart. Um, wash your hands frequently. Avoid situations that, that you could be around infected people. Segregate yourself if you need to. Um, these are all very sound things. They're not left or right things. They're just sound things. Um, the CDC, even though it is a government entity, seems to have some pretty good stuff on their website. But engaging in mindless chats and and text chains with morons and and listening to crazy people and and fist fights at the Walmart over toilet paper or Purell or you know um, having to buy uh, hand sanitizer for one hundred twenty two dollars when it should cost five dollars these are these are things that are not good and to keep a sound mind and to keep your eyes focused on God during these times is really, really important because it's extraordinarily stressful in and of itself, this situation. But we are all adding a lot more stress to this by um, letting our minds run away with us. And panic is never, ever a good thing. That is my uh, that is my culminating uh, message to you. Do not panic. The Lord is in control. Um and uh, we're going to get through this. It may take a little longer than we would like it to, but we're going to get through this. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. Have a great day.